How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. The king of the jump ball up. Here it goes. It's up. It's tipped back. It's controlled by Bielitz. He's on the ground. He rolls. It goes out of bounds. Levine tries to save it. They don't call it out of bounds. Levine has it. Minnesota has it. Ten seconds left. Jazz by two. Levine one-on-one on Ingles. It's down to six. He's on the left angle. Levine, step back. Jumper. No. Loose ball rebound. Strong sound. The horn goes. And the Jazz. You are locked on Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz and of January. The world champs are in town, and we'll talk about the Cavaliers. Plus, how to use the D-League and what it means if the Jazz put people in the D-League. Derek Rose and Jeff Hornacek are in the midst of a fiasco. We'll talk about it all. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Glad to have you here on Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast about the Utah Jazz. Delivered to you Monday through Friday through whatever podcasting app you use. Also available at 1280 The Zone's website and uh, on weareutahjazz.com. Please give us a review and five stars. Uh, if you have a moment, we'd greatly appreciate it. Locked on NBA has midseason report uh, number one up. Uh, for the Eastern Conference teams, L- number two uh, is expected to go up tomorrow morning uh, for you. So that'll have uh, the rest of the Eastern Conference teams and then the Western Conference tomorrow and the next day. So make sure you you go grab that. Uh, it's a pretty good little preview system uh, done by our Locked On NBA, uh, the host of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, so thank you very much for, for tuning in and, and grabbing uh, that. Uh, I think I set up what we're talking about today pretty clearly. We'll talk about the the Cavaliers coming to town. We'll talk about the D-League, what the Jazz are. Yesterday they sent three guys to the D-League and brought them back. I'll try to explain this and give some thoughts on how I would use the D-League. And then uh, run around the NBA for a a quick moment or two. Uh, We like to start every single one of our shows with pins across the world. You can send me yours at dlock 9 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. This one comes from Ellen Iron. I-R-I-O-N. So it would be, I think that's right. Uh, put a pin in Las Vegas, Nevada for us. My husband and I both grew up in Bury, Utah through the 90s in the midst of Stockton Malone glory. We played junior jazz. We always trying to get number tw- be number 12, pretending to be John Stockton as we shot in the front yard and love following the Jazz. I remember going to my first elementary ge- my first game in ele- elementary school, sitting in the upper bowl with my dad and loving it. Meanwhile, my husband's dad had season tickets in the lower bowl and they enjoyed many games. We both vividly remember the shot against Houston. Uh, for uh, me as a nine-year-old girl, I cried almost hysterically when Michael Jordan made the shot over Brian Russell in the finals. And I'm sure he was fouled. I'm also sure at the time I would be the first girl to ever play for the Jazz. I ended up playing soccer for Utah State instead of 
but basketball is still our favorite sport to follow. We went on many dates to jazz games since moving to Las Vegas a few years ago. Had a great league pass just to keep track. Of the, had to get league pass to keep track of the jazz. Anytime we're in Salt Lake, we try to catch a game. It's not unusual to find ourselves quoting Hot Rod, watching classic highlights on YouTube, or debating who the top five players of all time for the jazz are. This year's team is a blast to follow. We're excited to add a new jazz fan to the nation when our first baby is born any day now. Go jazz. Well, Ellen, congratulations on the new one coming. Thanks so much for the pin from Vegas, and do us a favor. Let us know when that baby's born. Send us a little email and let us know when we welcome uh, a new member uh, into the family. All right, let's get to it. Uh, I want to start with the D-League. Yesterday, the Jazz sent Alec Burks, Dante Exum, and Howell Neto down uh, to the D-League to practice with the Stars. What I think is going to be complicated for everyone to understand is, so the way the league rules are, if you assign someone to the, if if you have someone who's not assigned to the stars, they can't practice with the stars, and they can't practice with the Jazz if they're assigned to the stars. So when you have a D League franchise in Salt Lake, like the Jazz do, you actually have to make an official transaction every single time. So when Joel Ballenboy has been doing shoot around in the morning with the Jazz and an afternoon game with the Stars, they have to send him down after shoot around. Or if he does, uh, you know practice with the Jazz and a game with the Stars that night. Uh, But the whole reason the Jazz have a D-League franchise was to move it to Salt Lake City so that they could do these things and use it in this fashion. And there really seems to be three different ways to use the D-League franchise. And then we've got to get kind of into the perception of all of it. So one is Joel Ballenboy, young player, not ready to play in the NBA yet. Um, who you send down, give him time, have him work with things while having still a lot of time around the NBA team to have that exposure, that access, and that understanding. And Joel's an interesting parallel to me because when I watched Joel in OTAs this September, like he was, when it was just the kind of free agent guys running around, he was dominant. And then the minute Jeff Withy stepped on the floor, he got it handed to him. And that's not to his fault. That's just the reality of where he is as a player and also, I think, the reality of what it takes to be an NBA player. And even a guy like Jeff, who's basically our 14th guy at this point uh, or 13th guy, is you know just dramatically more experienced, better, understands what to do, how to play, uh, and, and was able to do it. So that's what you're teaching. You're giving Joel just that opportunity, that access. Um, and that's... You know, that's the model that a lot of guys um, have used. I, I think the Harrison twins in Memphis are, are probably a decent example on how the D-League is valuable. One Harrison was in Charlotte all of last year, didn't play a lot, sat on the bench, was exposed to the NBA, didn't get a lot of time. He's out of the league right now. The other Harrison, and I'm not sure either of these guys are actually going uh, to turn out to be you know eight-year NBA pros. The other Harrison went and spent the entire year playing a ton in the D-League, and he's now in the NBA for Memphis. He's not great. Um, I'm not sure you can, like, you don't suddenly make a player talented who's not, um, but he's a much better player, learned how to play with teammates, do a lot of things that he didn't do well at Kentucky. <coughs> Excuse me. And in turn, the D-League was really, really valuable uh, to him. The second one would be a player that's a high-level prospect who's just not 
getting enough time on the floor, and so you go get them run in the D-League. That's a little bit what the Jazz did with Rudy Gobert uh, when they sent Rudy down. But I, I think that's actually put him on the D-League roster. We're, I'm going to get rid of this phrasing because I think that's part of the problem here. Uh, and, uh, and I you know, there are just numerous, numerous um, examples of that in, in the time of the NBA. I mean, that one's pretty obvious. The third one that has just developed recently that's really interesting is what uh, was just done by Oklahoma City with Cameron Payne. Uh, Cameron Payne went and spent about a week or two. He's the Cameron Payne is the former number one pick of the uh, Thunder. I think about the 14th pick. He fractured a bone during a scrimmage in September. And he went and played two or three games with the Thunder's developmental league team uh, so that he could just get some run before getting back to playing an NBA game, coming off injury. It seems re- seemed really smart. Uh, and Mike Scott is doing, I think, the same thing in Atlanta. I think I read, though I, hadn't, I haven't looked this up to confirm it. Um, Mike Scott has been... On, on January 1st, they sent him down to the D-League uh, for the exact same kind of concept. Now, Atlanta's even more complicated because they don't have a D-League team. Uh, so he's gone. He keeps going down to get some time. Same thing coming off an injury. I mean, this guy averaged 14.4 rebounds a game. Um, and, you know, the Hawks also have Teron Prince, uh, who's their 12th pick of the draft with their D-League franchise. So it's really becoming very common now for – those three scenarios on how you use the D-League. From a Jazz standpoint specifically, it really makes a lot of sense for Alec Burks um, to go get a 25, 30-minute run, maybe I don't know what his minute restriction is, with the D-League and see how his body reacts, get him just playing again, get him to feel the speed uh, of the game. I think that's a really... um, I think that's a really interesting, a really useful way. The It makes a lot of sense if he were to play Wednesday with the D-League. Uh, I'm not telling you to go buy tickets yet. I would consider maybe clearing your schedule, though. Um, you know, we play t- Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. The D-League team plays Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, so I think that's that, – that would be – it makes a lot of sense for Alec to get down there. And, and that – I might even consider, if everyone's healthy, having Alec play Friday as well. Uh, the problem is we're playing that night, and you might need him. And then second thing is if he goes and plays twenty five thirty, I don't know if he's available on Saturday. So you, you'd have to be a little careful of blowing him up uh, in the point in which he um, you lose him for those days. But the idea is pretty simple. Use the D-League as an injury rehab setting for Alec to go get him, uh, you know, a bunch of time. The next one is Dante Exum. And my feeling on Dante right now is Dante still – there's there's high hopes for Dante. I mean, that first step is still real. Um, some of that court vision is still real. Um, you know, he's got he's – got he's still got a, a skill set. That is truly special, but he has not played any basketball, um, and that's that's really the kind of concern you would have on him. 
So, I mean, if you run through with Dante, and this is where that ACL injury was just it's such a bummer. So you run through Dante's career. Dante plays Australian high school basketball. I, I have no knowledge of, of what that is. I can tell you he played at Thomas Carr uh, in Melbourne, Victoria, and he played for Canberra. Uh, and I, But I, you know, right? I've seen, I don't know how many games he played, but assume he's just like, they can't imagine the Australian high school kid plays a tremendous amount more. And, I, you know, he's not playing AU, so he's playing much less. He then plays for the FIBA under 17 World Championship Australian team, which is a few games. And he plays on the under-19 championship, which is a few games. Um, In 2013, he then plays in 2014 for the FIBA Basketball World Cup, where he actually has almost um, no impact. Like, he he actually plays very, very little for the Boomers on that big a setting, if you recall. He he averaged, I think, three points, two rebounds, two assists in, in six games. So, you know, those are that's not a lot of basketball. He then doesn't play college because they keep him they basically, you know, realize his draft status is high and there's no reason to let him uh to to bother that. So he just goes and works out and gets stronger for a year. Uh and then he plays one season with the Jazz and gets injured. So hit, if you think of the Gladwellian 10,000 hours uh, and, you you know, there's flaws in the 10,000-hour theory, but whether or not it works or not. But I, I do believe you need, you know, for the best NBA players, that often helps. He, you know, he's way behind on those 10,000 hours. He came to the league having had no college, only Australian high school, limited international play, no pro play at all, unlike a lot of Europeans. And so when he come and and so therefore – he is way behind when he gets in the league, and then he loses the year of the ACL. I, I, I mean, I would use the D League for him to just get time and minutes. Even ignoring the argument for a second of whether you think he should be playing or Shelvin Mack should be playing, if you if your argument on that is that you Shelvin Mack has no future and Dante Exum is the one who should develop, then let's let him develop playing 35 minutes a night for the next eight weeks in the D-League. And while he's doing that, he suddenly plays 30, 40 games and plays at 35 minutes a night, and you and he learns how to have his... Like, he doesn't know how to recover from injuries yet. He doesn't know how to recover from nicks. He hasn't been through an extended slump. I mean, his his life experience as a basketball player is just way behind the curve. Let's go go give him a 1,000 D-League minutes and let him – he played 1,800 as a rookie and let him – and go to work and let him just learn and take the pressure off of the 21-year-old kid and, and use this year as a rehab – year at that that to me seems like a great way to use the d-league and the thing i don't understand is this discussion point where you talk about well it would ruin his confidence and demote him the exact opposite i don't you know maybe that's how people feel and we've got to get over that but like there's what you're actually saying is we really think you could be great we we care about you rather than putting you on the bench for 12 minutes a night and for the well-being of our coaching staff and our team maybe the best thing we could do for you is have you just here and available in case we need you for 3 minutes but the best thing for you is to have you go play and play a lot and 
and rev it up. You're not. You're probably not playing summer league this year. So let's let's go. Just rev it up and play a ton of basketball for a while. Lead a team. Learn how to win and lose. Um, go through a ton of experiences that at this stage in his career he just doesn't have yet. Now, maybe that's not how it works, and nobody has really entirely done that with a D-League team yet. But that, to me, is how I would use my D-League team. I I don't see it as an insult. Um, I frankly don't think there's anything wrong with making a guy get on a bus again instead of a chartered plane. I don't think Dante's a, Dante's not a bad guy, so there's that. I, I don't think that's as important for him as some other guys. But like, let him play. You know, I mean, if you just if let's say for example, we we put Dante on the on the stars tonight, and he played today, and he stayed on the he would play four games in by Saturday. So by the 10th through the 14th, he could play four games in five days to get 125, 130 minutes, play two back-to-backs. He hasn't never, he's never done stuff like that. That's brand new, particularly since the knee injury. How does he react? Then they're off Saturday to Friday, and you can, you can bring him back up, have him be around the, the pro team or the NBA team. I mean, that's a pro team. You gotta, I, there's a lot of phraseology here. Jazz play the 21st and 23rd at home. So you can, you know... The the, uh, the Jazz go on the road on the 16th to Phoenix. Go on that trip. Be a part of the team. Then go back and play the 20th and the 22nd at home on uh, in Hershey Center uh, for two games. And, and then, you know, just but get the time. I mean, if you just kind of decide, all right, between now and the All-Star break, there's, there's 16 games there or so. I just think that's the really... That's the way. That's the way I think I would use my D League franchise, is to just let him have run, and and I've heard people say, "Oh, it'd be ruin his confidence, his demotion." I don't see it as those things at all. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but the, the ruining the confidence. His confidence can't be good right now. He's just sitting on the end of a bench, not playing. Um, and even if he was playing, like if your argument is, well, he should be playing for, okay, well, then he's playing 12 minutes a night. I think I would argue that 30, for a guy who's short on minutes, 35 D-League minutes in is better than 12 minutes of NBA action. And I think that's better for him. I'm not sure it's better for the Utah Jazz, this the 16-17 Utah Jazz. But for the long-term Dante Exum, I do think it's better. So, um those are my thoughts on how you how you could or use the D League, but you know there's a lot of different. It's it's a new territory. P- people are gonna have different opinions on it, different feel on it. I don't think there's probably a right or right a- wrong answer. I'm just sharing what I how I would, and I don't get. I guess part of what I'm saying is I don't really get the stigmatism that people are putting on it, and the comments that oh this would be mentally bad for him, oh this is insulting to him. I actually see it as the exact opposite. Um, I I almost see it as a un not necessarily unselfish act, but as an act where you're, you're developing, you know, still developing him in a major, major uh, long-term process um, for the franchise. All right, that is, those are my thoughts on that. Um, Cavaliers are in town. LeBron! Uh, tickets are available at utahjazz.com. There are still some available lower, there are some really good lower bowl seats available. I think they're over 200, but I think they're available. Um, so go check that out. You might want to go grab those because, um, well, because if you haven't seen LeBron in person, it's, it's worth doing. I mean, he's on 
par with with Michael. Uh, that's, what's interesting about this, well, first of all, what's interesting about Cleveland is prepping for LeBron and realizing that in the midst of the Westbrook, Harden, and everything else, LeBron's averaging 26 points, 8 rebounds, and eight assists a game. And so just because those last two numbers aren't rounded into tens and double digits, we think less of it, I guess, in some way. Uh, but he is having an astronomical season. He is turning it over four times a game. He's also shooting 38% from three and has been hot from three recently. They're coasting. Uh, and the way you can tell they're coasting is they're 15th in the league in defense. They're 23rd in the league in defensive rebound. They're 18th in the league in forcing turnovers. So they are just going through games, seeing if they can get through without having to ever play D and winning. They beat Brooklyn 116-108. They beat Phoenix 120-116. Um, they actually lost to Chicago recently. Um, they beat the Celtics 124-118. The Hornets 121-109. They're, they're just scoring an awful lot of points, and they're playing. Uh, they have not played a lot of games recently. They're pretty fresh. Uh, they Since Christmas against the Warriors, I think they only have about six or seven games. So, you know, this is a team uh, that is getting ready for the playoffs in their finals run, and they don't have much of a competitor. Uh, they also have Kyle Korver, who should be making his Cleveland Cavalier debut back in Salt Lake City tonight which uh, will be kind of cool to see. Uh, Kevin Love will be an interesting matchup every time Favors has to go out on the floor, and Tristan Thompson's an interesting matchup because of his activity around the glass for Rudy, so that's worth keeping an eye on. Not a particularly difficult matchup tonight for Rodney Hood because of their injuries, um, unless they start Kyle Korver, and then Rodney really should even more so see what he can do to the 36-year-old. And it'll be interesting to watch George Hill against Kyrie Irving, uh, and I think George will be back that second game back is always a really uh, a brutal, brutal game. Uh, Kyrie and uh, George Hill have obviously battled uh, numerous times in their career when George was over in in Indiana, so they, they have some history playing for about four games uh, against each other uh, in, you know, each each of the last few years. Uh, the total numbers on those matchups, I always love kind of head-to-head matchups and see, because you see that every now and then guys get each other or, or things of that nature. They've played 10 games against each other. Uh, George has won seven of the 10. Uh, and Kyrie, the last time out, had 26 against George, 22 the game before that, 25 the game before that, 13 the game before that, 29 before that. George has done a little damage as well. Um, not in the last two recent matchups, but prior to that, George had, had linked four of the last five going over 20 um, against Kyrie, who has not always been known for wanting to play a great deal of defense. So it could be fun to watch that matchup. Uh, mysterious story in New York where Derek Rose just didn't show up for a game last night. Yeah, he just didn't show up. So worth keeping an eye on. He got benched at the end of the game the other night. He went to shoot around that day and then just decided not to come to the game that night. Um, never anything good. That's there's nothing, no good um, sign that that's going to take place, um, and uh, no, no good sign that that's going to um, that that's going to end well. It sounds. And then Carmelo got ejected and frustrated, and uh, Jeff Warnesek has got himself a, a hot mess. 
uh, going on in New York. We'll see how that plays out, but uh, see how Jeff is able to handle it and deal with it. But that does not does not seem like it's heading in a very good direction. That is tip-off today. If you'd like to advertise, or excuse me, Locked on Jazz today, if you'd like to advertise on the program, you can uh, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Uh, our audience continues to grow. It's 97% male. Uh, the audience is uh, about 74% now, 18 to 44 years old, as well as 25 to 44 years old. Kind of funky how that works, right? Um, but if you if you look at it, um, about the same amount of our audience uh, is 18 to 24 as is 45 to 54. The real chunk of our audience is 70% of our audience is now uh, between the ages of 25 and 44. So if you want men between the ages of 25 and 44, that's 70% of our audience, 78% if you want to go 25 to 54, and 79% if you want to go 18 to 44, uh, and 97% male. If that's the customer your company's looking for, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'd love to have you aboard as a sponsor of the program. Uh, story just came out of Atlanta that the Hawks are no longer interested in trading Paul Millsap. Um, that's interesting. Well, uh, must have come out yesterday. We'll see whether or not that that holds to be true, um, or if that's just we need the uh, we need the the numbers to be bigger uh, than they are. They're in fourth in the East, though, so there doesn't seem to be a lot of reason why they should be blowing up this entire thing. All right, that wraps up today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Have a great one. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17